I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Friday, February 2nd, 2024, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. More than a 1,000 black clergy call on President Joe Biden to push Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu for a ceasefire. I will talk to one spiritual leader who says a ceasefire is necessary. Dr. Gina Stewart broke the precedent by becoming the first woman to deliver a sermon during the National Baptist Convention. And the sermon was mysteriously taken down. And why did some of these pastors walk out? She will be joining us on the show. Today is exactly two years since Amir Locke was gunned down within seconds of the Minneapolis, Minnesota Police Department trying to execute a no-knock warrant. His family will be here to tell us how they've been doing to get justice for Amir. Plus, tonight we honor two legends we lost this week, actor Carl Weathers. Uh, of course, uh, known to play Apollo Creed in Rocky. He passed today at the age of 76. And we continue paying tribute to civil rights activist and radio talk show host Joe Madison, known as the Black Eagle. We'll talk to 
uh, one of his uh, Sirius XM radio um, hosts, Lori Daniels Favors. Also, Vice President Kamala Harris called into the network to express her thoughts on the passing of Joe. We'll have that. Plus, uh, last night I was in Dallas. We'll hear from Reverend Al Sharpton, Reverend Frederick Douglass Haynes III, and also Harry Johnson, the MLK Memorial Foundation, with their tributes to Joe as well. It is time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Blackstone Network. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. Folks, uh, we are entering the fourth month of the Israel-Hamas war. It launched on October 7th with more than 1,400 Israelis were killed in a surprise attack by Hamas. According to the United Nations Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs, the death toll is closing towards 28,000, nearly 70,000 injured, and 1.7 million people have been displaced since the conflict began. A coalition of more than 1,000 black pastors and faith leaders are pressuring the Biden administration to push for a ceasefire. Folks, uh, through uh, meetings with White House officials, um, open letters, and, and of course, ads in newspapers, ministers have made a moral case for President Biden and his administration to do all they can to pressure Israel to cease its offensive operations in Gaza. Joining me now is Reverend Dr. Barbara Williams Skinner, co-chair of the National Black Clergy, Clergy Network. Uh, Dr. Skinner, glad to have you here. So um, how has this been building? Obviously, you don't pull together a thousand just by happenstance. And so um, uh, has this been uh, the case since this war started or did it pick up steam the last two months? First of all, we do want to give God the glory for the life of Joe Madison and his uh, amazing legacy. Uh, Roland, we didn't, we, the, meet, the minute we got the news about October 7th, we started meeting because we value all life. And if, you know, if lives are at value, Israeli lives are valuable and so are Palestinian lives. So we met with the White House uh, on the 27th of October and expressed our concern to them. Nothing moved. Uh, so on the 8th of November, we took out that ad. It didn't start with that. Our first letter was maybe signed by maybe 300 black clergy. But then when we took, by the time we got ready to do the New York Times ad on, that came out on no November 8th, we had over 1,000 black clergy incensed that there was so little value to Palestinian lives. They're not anti-Semitic. They are pro uh you know, advocacy for the oppressed. And they identified the way we identified years ago with South Africans and, and apartheid, they, many young people especially, but black clergy of all ages are identifying with Palestinians. The sense that they have is, remember, there were 7,000 lives lost 
at the time we did the ad, and 3,000 were children. Today, as you said, 28,000. Okay. So at what point, what point are enough lives enough to be lost? And there's no end in sight. Starvation, pandemic, disease, famine is happening right now. And you can't target an apartment building or a school or a hospital and say, well, there's one person in there we want to get, but there are 500 others who have nothing to do with the fight and you, and you shoot the bomb, you know you intend to kill them. We are deeply concerned that there is no end in sight. So we call for a bilateral ceasefire. We think that this is going to explode to the entire Middle East. We saw three black boys, three black young people rather killed in, from Georgia. If black community is paying the price of this. So it is time for us. I think I pray that many more would call out to the president and say, this is going to affect the election. It is going to affect the black phone. And you need to stand up, particularly since we are paying as taxpayers for this war. You've had the administration say they do not believe a ceasefire uh, is necessary at this particular time. There are others who say that Israel has the absolute right uh, to defend itself from these attacks from Hamas. Your response? Israel has a right to defend itself. But what we're hearing from backdoor, from the foreign affairs people, is that they're using unsmart bombs that are scattering like a shotgun. That's number one. Uh, number two... Israel is no more secure today than they were when they started this bombing. So there's got to be more diplomacy and other ways of getting at this problem. We, so what happens? What's the end game for Netanyahu, who seems to be working just to stay in office? So are we going to let Netanyahu, as taxpayers and citizens, tell us how long we're going to pay for a war that's only, it seems to be in part, to keep him in office? Or we're going to say there's some conditions to this. We know that members of the Senate and Raphael Warnock and uh, Senator Van Hollen and others have an amendment they just uh, put in uh, rolling for conditional, uh, some conditions to be put on that $14 billion. We know also that there's a discussion right now in the White House about a 60-day ceasefire. That very term is being used, ceasefire for hostage release. If you're going to release hostages for 60 days, then you can add humanitarian aid to that hostage release and extend that while you're talking about diplomacy. This is bilateral. We're not talking about Israel only putting down their arms. We're saying Egypt, Qatar, and others are standing in the place in those negotiations for Hamas. They're having that conversation while people are being killed. Ceasefire, a bilateral ceasefire, is the only way to save human lives and to move toward a two-state solution, which is the only answer in the Middle East. Do you believe that the ad taken out and the release of this letter was reported in the New York Times on Sunday, do you believe it is having an effect? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's having an effect in this sense, Roland. It's forcing people to make some moral choices. And not just black people, young people of all races are struggling with this. Even those who are concerned with climate justice, who are committed to the Biden administration, are stalling in their support. 
Uh, you can look at what's happening in Michigan, one of the battleground states, that the president, any president, any candidate has to win. Uh, the, the Arab leaders won't even meet with the president. This is going to spill over into 10 months into how you can get out, mobilize, and energize a vote on other issues that affect black people, voting rights, health care, HBCU support, and all the other issues. You know, this is having a spillover effect for sure, because it's about lives. If either Palestinian lives matter, Israeli lives matter, or no lives matter. Uh, have you heard uh, since this other black clergy saying, we now want to be added uh, to this? So has, has your list grown? Our list has grown because people understand that this is about moral order. You can't, as a Christian, say all, all people are creating the image of God and they should be respected and valued and have dignified lives and not be committed to uh, not having 28,000 people kill most of them women and children and then have to have say nothing about it. We cannot be silent. So I'm happy. And the other leaders uh, like, uh, you know, Bishop Vashti McKenzie and uh, Mike McBride and, and Otis Three and others are committed to extending this to anyone who wants to sign on that petition. We're looking for a meeting with the White House right now. We want to go back to the White House with that same demand for a ceasefire. We supported this president. We made it possible for him to be in the, in the White House. We have a right to be heard on this. Questions from my panel. I'll start with uh, Michael Imhotep, host of the African History Network show out of Detroit. Michael, go ahead. Hello, sister. How you doing today? Um, thank, I, go ahead. Michael, go ahead. All right. Um, I read the article from the New York Times on this and the one from Blavity. So uh, a lot of what you say I agree with. Um, my, my question is, give us some more insight into what a ceasefire would look like. The reason why I say that is because um, Israel is saying they'll stop firing when Hamas returns to hostages. And I know negotiations have been taking place, the rest of the hostages. Hamas doesn't want to return the rest of the hostages, et cetera. So give us an example of what a ceasefire would look like. So there is right now my resolution that is being is being talked about at the White House yeah. that involves the agents for Hamas in Qatar and Egypt, and maybe Saudi Arabia, but at least Qatar and Egypt, for a 60-day and maybe longer. And they're using the word ceasefire. So if, right. you can, if you can cease fire, which means both sides put down their weapons, some restoration of uh, humanity in the in the Gaza, hospitals. Right now, there's one toilet for 2,000 people. I mean, this mm -hmm. is their people are starving to death. So there's got to be some restoration of human life and living in the Gaza. Then you can talk about it for longer than 60 days. My point is, if you can figure it out for 60 days and what you do to put down the arms then, you're negotiating during that time, you can extend that. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. Kelly Bethea, communication strategist out of D.C. Kelly, go ahead. Thank you. Uh, my question is a little bit more political. 
Um, I understand the humanitarian aspect of this ordeal, and you're absolutely right. A ceasefire does need to happen purely for the humanitarian aspect of it. But the fact of the matter is we are in a political year, and as it stands right now, the only two viable options that have been presented to us are Donald Trump or Joe Biden. So how are we to... Um, especially as as black Christians, how are are you recommending how to reconcile this issue? Being that I know a lot of people who are are really truly morally conflicted regarding this issue and voting for President Biden. So how do we reconcile the? I don't want to say non-response, but not responsive enough administration mm-hmm. on this issue with the fact that we really are in a black and white matter as far as the election is concerned for 2024. I appreciate your question. I think, yes, we are conflicted. Many of us are. But let's look at it uh, another way. And I think Charles Blow in the New York Times has a great uh, framework on this and that he posted on Instagram. He said, I don't have to know this guy or like this person who you're asking me to vote for. But I know the one who wants to take down HBCUs and voting rights and, and, and the civil rights, all of the infrastructure of civil rights beyond affirmative action, DEI programs, everything that has to do with black progress. So maybe we have to talk about what we, the person we, we work against for our interests. Even while we're fighting with the White House to move on this other issue, we, we can't, we, not voting is suicidal. Okay, that, let's, if we could agree on that. Because <laughs> you're basically saying you've given up, you have no hope, and you're letting someone else decide your future. But we can say that there are, let's put it this way, most of the issues, if you look, listen to pollster, black pollster Terrence Woodbury, most of the issues, issues that Black people asked President Biden to do, HBCU support, higher than ever, student loans, other issues, he has done. They've done a poor job of of even communicating it, but they have done. But so you can't, you have to ask yourself, what should we be fighting for to save our own lives? What will make sure that someone who wants to deconstruct the entire democracy and all of the freedoms that black people have gained and people, marginalized people have gained, there'll be no issue there. It's a non-starter. So at least in a democracy, I have a right to fight. I have a right to protest freely. I have a right to, I have other rights. So it's it's not a problem for me to talk about what I'm fighting for. I'm fighting for my children, my children's children their right to be treated decently as black Americans. That will not happen under the other guy, trust me. So I've got to fight on both sides. But I'm not complicit in the sense that who should I vote for? I'm I'm torn because I'm upset with someone who said that he came into office fighting for the moral, what did he call the soul of America, and there's nothing the soul of America or even a glo- across the globe that's happening uh, in the Middle East. But I. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought 
in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I am not complicit. I'm not unclear about the fact that Donald Trump wants to take down everything that has to do with people of color's freedom. So I got to fight to save my people. So I'm clear about that. Thank you. Matt Manning, civil rights attorney, joining us from Corpus Christi, Texas. Matt, go right ahead. Well, I'm actually down on the border today, so if you can't hear me well, it's because my service isn't great. But Uh, we got you. We got uh, you. William Skinner. My question for you is, what are you hearing from your parishioners about their opinions and, and beliefs as it relates to the ceasefire? And what, are, what do you extrapolate from that kind of to Kelly's question in terms of what you expect their voting behavior to be in this election cycle coming up? I think we have an up, to be honest, I think we have an uphill battle, not just with younger African-Americans, but with African-Americans, period. Uh, Christians, I can speak for, not other races or, or, or faiths, who are struggling with, we are oppressed people, the Palestinians are oppressed, we identify with them. The closer, the longer this goes on, the harder it's going to be to make an, a moral argument for the current president, the longer this goes on. That's a fact. And 10 months is a very short time to mobilize our people. Uh, and we, many of us have started already. And so we're starting with the messaging, but what we're hearing is people are torn about this war, even as they are clear about what the alternatives will do to tear down every point of freedom that black people have ever gained in this country. All right. Dr. Barbara Williams Skinner, we appreciate it. Thank you so very much. 
You are welcome. God bless you. Folks, uh, got to go to a break. We come back more on Roland Martin Unfiltered, including uh, we'll be talking about uh, the Amir Locke story also. Uh, and Dr. Gina Stewart, okay, female pastor, preaches at the National Baptist Convention. All of a sudden, her sermon and all the sermons on their Facebook page comes up missing. They say, oh, it got hacked. Really, y'all? She'll join us. Folks, so we'll be right back on Rolling Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network. For the last 15 or maybe 16 years, 18 years, I'll say, since I, when I moved to L.A., I hadn't had a break. I hadn't had a vacation. I had a week vacation here or there. Right. This year, after I got finished doing Queen Sugar and we wrapped it up, because I knew I had two TV shows coming on at the same time, mm -hmm. so I was taking a break. So I've been on break for the first time, and I can afford it. Right. God. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I can afford it. I'm like, I can right. sit back and ain't got nothing to worry about, man. But this was the first time in almost in, in two decades wow. that I've actually had time to sit back wow. and, and, and smell the roses. On the Black Table with me, Craig Carr. Immigrants lured off Texas streets and shipped to places like Martha's Vineyard and Washington, D.C. Believe it or not, we've seen it all before. You people in the North, you're so sympathetic to Black people, you take them. 60 years ago, they called it the reverse freedom rides. Back then, Southern governors shipped Black people North with the false promise of jobs and a better life. It's a part of a well-known playbook being brought back to life. So what's next? That's next on The Black Table, a conversation with Dr. Gerald Horn about this issue of the reverse freedom rides right here on The Black Star Network. Hey, yo, what's up? It's Mr. Dalvin right here. What's up? This is KC. Sitting here representing the J-O-D-E-C-I. That's Jodeci. Right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Back to the show. Uh, so, do you believe, uh, Matt? Do you believe that if there is not a ceasefire, and we're hearing reports that both sides are negotiating a 60-day ceasefire, do you believe if this pro prolongs that it is going to have a negative impact on young voter turnout, black voter turnout, Muslim turnout, and this could uh, potentially? Um, hinder Biden-Harris being re-elected? I don't know if I would go as far as to say I think it'll culminate in affecting their re-election chances because I just don't have the data for that. But I absolutely think it's going to have an effect. And I'll tell you that in some of the events I'm seeing in my area, things that are not in any way related to the ceasefire or the, the war um, going on there in Gaza, 
people are finding a way to try to even get our local city government to be held accountable for larger government response. So I think especially with young people, they're particularly energized and particularly plugged into this topic and have strong feelings about it, obviously. So I think the uh, risk that, that the Biden administration has is if their response continues to be um, unsatisfactory in the eyes of many young people, young black people, uh, Muslims as well, then I think you're going to be in a situation where you may have people say, I'm not voting for them at all. Um, I doubt you'll have people going over to Trump, but that's going to take away from their expected base. So I think it absolutely is going to have an effect, although I'm not sure if it will completely undermine their reelection chances. Um, Kelly, we look at polling data. We see what it says. We see the energy that's on social media. We hear it as well. You have Arab Americans who have refused to even meet with President Joe Biden, people from his campaign or from the White House as well. Um, and so just, just how do you think, again, this plays out when you talk about because the, the intense emotions around this are real? Well, that's what I was alluding to in my mm -hmm. question to uh, the, the last speaker. It's just the fact that we are now in an age where we have access to pretty much any type of information that we could possibly want to know about, right? And it just so happens that because this is in our faces by way of our own media, people have opinions about it. People have strong opinions about it. And it just so happens to be an election year and the incumbent being President Biden feels a little bit mum about it. it it's there. It, he's not giving a response that is definitive regarding the position of, are you going to let Israel keep killing Palestinians recklessly in this regard? Um, when you look on TikTok, when you look on uh, other social media platforms, but specifically TikTok, you have a lot of actual subject matter experts on this um, matter. And it just so happened, like I, like I said, it, it is an election year. And these people are still saying what needs to be said about the, the Middle East conflict. So when it comes to, you know, what I think, I think it's going to be a very close election. Um, not just because of youth voter turnout, um, because if I recall correctly, stats show that youth voter turnout, while it is helpful, we are still in an age where older Americans are the biggest voting block that we have. So without youth voter turnout, I don't think Biden is going to win, but it's going to be incredibly, incredibly close if he does not rectify this matter in a way that actually, frankly, makes him seem human about it. Because just saying October 7th over and over again against everything that we're seeing online that, mind you, is not propaganda, it's not AI, it's not uh, uh, fixed or tweaked or anything like that. This is stuff happening live on the ground as opposed to what we have seen from IDF and the like that has been proven to be false information. So that that's the issue here. We're we're looking in real time the eradication of a people and a country being us that has been rooted in freedom and democracy and basically being the police officers of the world, frankly unnecessarily so in a lot of ways, not policing this issue. 
that that is that is the crux of what people have angst about and that's going to come out in this election michael uh roland um the election is 10 months away a lot is going to happen between now and then uh it could have an effect uh on the youth vote, it could de it could depress the youth vote if uh, a ceasefire does not happen. Now, hostages can be released without a permanent ceasefire taking place. So, a lot of this is uh, uh, unknown. It's going to be a close election. It was going to be a close election before this happened, October seventh. Okay, um, the in the in the 2020 election really came down to about 40,000 votes over three or four states. Even though Biden won by seven million popular votes, it was those 40,000 votes in about three or four uh, states that gave him the 306, I think it was, electoral college votes that put you know put him over 270. So this is going to be close either way. Okay, um, the I, I we could be close to. Um, a 60-day ceasefire right now to get more hostages released, including American hostages. So we'll have to see uh, how this plays out. But also at the same time, uh, I do agree the uh, Biden-Harris administration, as well as the Biden campaign, has to do a—I know they ramp—I know they're ramping up, but they have to do a better job of messaging, especially down at the grassroots, people who don't read the U.S. Constitution, people who don't follow politics on a daily basis, okay? They have to do a better job of messaging what has been accomplished and contrast that to— Donald Trump and Republicans, because it's not just Trump himself, it's Republicans who overwhelmingly consistently vote almost against everything that's been accomplished by the Biden-Harris administration. Matt? I mean, I, I think Michael's right, and I think that's a, a sentiment we've echoed several times on this show, that they've got to be better about their messaging. But I also think that, you know, they're kind of uh, in a fraught place in this situation because there's a contingent of people who feel like um, they don't need to be as intimately involved as they are in terms of getting involved in brokering a ceasefire or otherwise calling for one. And then there's a contingent of people that feel that they need to be even more demonstrative in terms of their position on calling out Israel for its um, human rights abuses. So I think it's, it's fraught with issues no matter how they approach it. But in terms of young people particularly, I think the messaging has to be clear and the messaging has to be stronger um, against genocide, against uh, the humanitarian issues, so that there aren't people who say, look, the United States is in bed with Israel, and no matter what Israel does, it's never going to call it out. I think that's the sentiment of many people, and I think the Biden-Harris administration would do well to directly combat that. All right, folks. Hold tight one second. Her sermon at the National Baptist Convention... Man, had a lot of folks talking on social media, but it was the actions afterward that caused folks to say, what's going on? Reverend Gina Stewart preached there, and all of a sudden, the sermon just disappeared from their Facebook page. They say it was hacked. But nobody else's sermon was disappeared. What does that say about the National Baptist Convention? She will join us next, right here. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Don't forget to support us in what we do. Uh, your dollars are critically important for the work that we do. Uh, we are doing the work out here, covering the stories that matter to you. 
And so please support us. Send your check and money order to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash App, Dollar Sign, RM Unfiltered. PayPal, R. Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale, Roland at RolandSMartin.com. Roland at RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. We'll be right back. Grow your business or career with Grow with Google's wide range of online courses, digital training, and tools. Gain in-demand job skills with flexible online training programs designed to put you on the fast track to jobs in high-growth fields. No experience is necessary. Learn at your own pace. Complete the online certificate program on your own terms. Stand out to employers, get on a path to in-demand jobs, and connect with top employers who are currently hiring. Take one professional career certificate program or all six. Earn a Google career certificate to prepare for a job in a high growth field like data analytics, project management, UX design, cybersecurity, and more. All professional career certificate programs must be completed by December 31st, 2024. Scan the QR code to complete the application. There are 1,000 scholarships available. Grow with Google and J. Hood and Associates. Be job ready and qualify for in-demand jobs. Muhammad, live from LA. And this is The Culture. The Culture is a two-way conversation. You and me, we talk about the stories, politics, the good, the bad, and the downright ugly. So join our community every day at 3 p.m. Eastern and let your voice be heard. Hey, we're all in this together, so let's talk about it and see what kind of trouble we can get into. It's The Culture, weekdays at 3, only on the Black Star Network. Carl Payne pretending to be Roland Martin. Holla! You ain't got to wear black and gold every damn place, okay? Ooh, I'm an alpha, yay! All right, you're 58 years old. It's over. And you are now watching... Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uncut, unplugged, and undamn believable. spirituality as a spot if you're prejudiced just say you're prejudiced if you are sexist say you're sexist if you are racist say you're racist if you're homophobic say you're homophobic stop using your spirituality Jesus is in trouble. High five, somebody say he in trouble. <laughs> Look on the other side and say, that's why I'm in trouble too. <laughs> He's in trouble because he won't conform to their expectations. He refuses to conform to their agenda. He shifts the power paradigm. He rejected oppressive structures. He advocated for a kingdom where the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And they send Jesus to Pilate to do what they don't have the backbone, Roger, to do on their own. Touch your neighbor and say, if you want to do dirt, you might as well have some backbone. Touch your neighbor and say, come on out the closet. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on. Stop looking for the Sanhedrin to do your dirty work. Stop looking for some religious leaders. Stop giving it to a lack. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And I'm a bear. If you want to do your dirty, come on out the closet. In his book, Shaping the Claim, Dr. Marvin McMickle asserts that instead of using biblical characters as models of how we should live, we should use them as mirrors of how we actually do live. The truth of the matter is we don't want to be like Pilate, but we really are. The truth of the matter is we want to stand up for justice, but we get scared. The truth of the matter is, is that we want to let Jesus go free, but we are worried about political expediency. We're worried about being put out. We're worried about being talked about. We're worried about being ostracized. Pilate reminds us that Ergament Day, we are called to answer the question. What will you do with Jesus? Because there are lots of folk who claim to follow Jesus, but their ideals and their ideology and their practices and their conduct and behavior are antithetical to the Jesus who was tried before Pilate. The Jesus who stood before Pilate spoke, stroke, spoke truth to power. The Jesus who stood before Pilate confronted religious leaders and Roman leaders. The Jesus who stood before Pilate was not silent in the face of oppression. The spirituality as a if you're prejudiced just say all right folks dr gina stewart the lead pastor at christ missionary baptist church out of memphis became the first woman to preach at the national baptist convention joint board session last month folks were commenting on social media uh a lot of people said they were pleased to see that they were posting clips then all of a sudden for some reason the recording of her sermon it was streamed mysteriously disappeared from the National Baptist Convention's Facebook page. Now, they claim that it got hacked. But the problem is nobody else's sermon was deleted. Now, the sermon, we found it on the church's YouTube page. Um, Dr. Gina Stewart joins us right now from Memphis. Glad to have you uh, on the show, uh, my wife, Reverend Dr. Jackie Hood Martins, uh, had sent me a text about you preaching. Uh, and then when uh, I saw all the brouhaha, I said, you might want to go back and see what, see what happened. And she actually <laughs> said, that, that was some photos that were posted. Uh, she had sent me because apparently 
um, it, was a, it was a Facebook, somebody posted on Facebook, Facebook that uh, some of the ministers walked out when you came to the podium. Did you see that happen? Uh, first of all, let me let me thank you, uh, Roland, for this invitation and for the opportunity to share. No, I did not see it. Um, I heard that there were persons who walked out during my preachment and also prior to me getting up to preach, but I did not see it myself. So, um, now I also understand that the sermon is back on the Facebook page, but I was also told that at the end of your sermon, you preached about the need for the church to respect uh, black female preachers, but right. apparently that's missing? It's my understanding that the sermon has been edited. Uh, I've been traveling since I preached there last week, and so I have not had a chance to go and view it myself. But if you're talking about the basically the part after the celebration where I was really in trying to encourage the persons who were in attendance to practice what Dr. Katie Cannon calls emancipatory practice, which is after we hear a, a, a sermon, we should look for ways to trace out liberating strategies to live out that word, live out that word. And so I was naming some of the things for trying to provide some concrete examples of how we can not only support women, but how we can be on the side of justice. Um, particularly as people of faith. Why do you... What's... Now, look, <laughs> you have some folks who are so old school, they believe that the Bible said that women cannot and should not preach. Uh, I always get a kick out of that uh, because if anybody actually reads the Bible, uh, uh, when, when, when Jesus came back, all the dudes had left. <laughs> They, uh, left, they left uh, before Jesus came back. <laughs> uh, 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 all the guys left. So when Jesus came back, he was like, <laughs> where the brothers at? And it was only women there. And it was the women who then went and told everybody, hey, uh, brother man came back. And told the story. Right. Yeah. So Jesus, first of all, Jesus models an egalitarian ministry. Jesus was a friend to women. Jesus affirmed women. Jesus stood up for women. Jesus empowered women. Women supported the ministry of Jesus. And so when we look at Jesus as a model, we see that Jesus' ministry was egalitarian. And in all of Jesus' interactions with women, <clears throat> Jesus was always looking for a way to not only neutralize the power of sin, but also to relieve those persons, not just women, but all people from oppression. Now, when you talk about scripture and what the Bible says, what I've discovered is that if people are looking for a reason to justify a position, which is part of what I was leaning toward or trying to allude to in my sermon, that we can find a verse, uh, even if we do it in term, use eisegesis to justify our position or our subjugation or our oppression of other people. <clears throat> but when we read the biblical witness, we find in the Old Testament, as well as in the New Testament, that women have always 
been used by God and that Jesus was certainly a friend to women, an advocate. How long have you uh, been preaching? Um, legally, <laughs> since 1989, but I actually started speaking in churches when I was about 18 years old. So that would be close to 40 plus years. Uh, I take it that you have had to endure uh, a whole lot uh, from some of the uh, rabbit fellas uh, when it comes to being a woman of the cloth standing in a pulpit. And again, let's be real clear. A lot of these people, they ain't got, they don't have a problem with women serving in church. Right. So they ain't got a problem with women counting the money, uh, being and, and the usher in the choir. So all these other, but, but, oh no, you can't stand the pulpit. So I'm sure you've had, you, you, you've got some quite interesting stories. Oh yeah, yeah. Myself along with, you could talk to any woman in ministry and you would find that all of us have interesting stories because, and, and, and of course in, in my tradition, uh, which is Baptist, Baptists have historically been, um, if you will, conservative as it relates to whether or not women can preach. There are even people that make the delineation that say, well, a woman can preach, but she can't pastor. And I've been pastoring close to 29 years and you would not even begin to imagine some of the things that people have said uh, to members of my church over the years, male and female. When I was initially uh, called to pastor, people said they would, people would tell my members that they would go to hell because the, the pastor was a woman. Uh, I've had people to join our church, excited about being a part of the ministry, but because some authority figure in their life uh, misinterprets scripture or misapplies scripture, and makes them feel that they are out of the will of God. They have left the church because of that. So when you talk about the stories that could be told, uh, yes, I have stories, but there are hundreds of other women who are trying to fulfill, basically trying to fulfill the call of God on their lives that have encountered resistance, uh, subjugation, marginalization, invisibility, and what we saw, an, an example of what we saw with what happened to my sermon, uh, and although I don't really know what happened, but when it was deleted, it was a form of erasure, erasing uh, a woman's voice. As my uh, homiletics professor, Dr. Courtney Buds, and I were talking yesterday, this is erasure, because if it's not there, it does not exist. And so, yes, to answer your question, yeah, we, we have plenty of stories to tell. We, we don't even have enough time to talk about the stories uh, and the incidents that we've experienced. I mean, I've, I've been invited to um, do words of comfort. And this has happened as a pastor. I've been invited, and it has happened a while ago, but I've been invited to do words of comfort as a pastor for members of my church who invited me to come and have words of comfort. And there have been pastors, not, not many, but a few who have called me in advance and said, uh, I haven't taught my people yet about women in ministry. So I just want to ask you when you come, if you sit in the audience and not come to the pulpit. That happened to me as a pastor. I, I remember, I remember um, I, when I joined the Church Without Walls, uh, we were visiting uh, another church uh, and we were leaving church uh, and Jackie says, oh, uh, I got to stop by my place. I got to change clothes. I was like, 
What you got to change clothes for? Uh, well, uh, this church doesn't allow pants. And I was like, I guess we ain't going to visit that church. <laughs> I said, we have to give Pastor West uh, our, uh, uh, our... And so then, she, so then she started telling me about a, something that happened at this church where... Um, they all came in, and again, Pastor Ralph D. West, he was, he was senior pastor at Brook Hollow Baptist Church, Church Without Walls. But at this particular church, uh, one of the deacons, again, one of the homeboy just decided to go off. He was like, she can't sit on the front row. And then she, and then, and then she, and then, so then the other pastors from Church Without Walls says, uh, brother, this is, Reverend Jackie Hood, she's the education minister, and she tells me that he that he puts his hand in her face and he's looking <laughs> over here and says, I don't care who she is, she can't sit on the front row. And so then the other sisters in the church uh, made room for her to sit on the second row. And I said, let me be real clear. If that ever happens, and I'm there, you might as well go get some bail money. I said, because <laughs> a deacon going to get his ass whooped. Oh That's exactly God. what I said. I said, I, oh, I don't play. I said, I'm telling you right now, I said, go get some bail money, because a deacon is going to get beat down at the front of the church if he put his hand in your face in my presence. I'm just letting you know how this going to go down. So what happened? Well. Did she leave? Oh no! But no, she sat sat in the second row because again, this is before we got together. This is before we got right. that. Okay. Oh, oh no, no, let's be, no. <laughs> the story would not have ended that way uh, <laughs> if I was actually there at the church. But it's it's that kind of insanity uh, that 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 to me is just is just beyond stupid. And and even in this case here. Uh, and I'm having my staff check right now in the control room because I want to know if the end got cut. And if so, that to me is grossly offensive uh, that they would do that. And what's even more offensive to me is the hiding behind. If you going to cut it, <laughs> be a man and come out and say it. <laughs> right. But don't sit here, uh-oh, uh, we got, so you got hacked. Now, everybody else video up, but that one video came down. Come on now. See, and, 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 and that's the other deal for me. If you're going to be big and bad enough to do something, own it, but don't try to hide behind the pulpit. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. It's 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. When you get called out publicly. Yeah, and, and one, one of the things that I've been saying um, is, is I, I think that what I hope this moment will do is create these kinds of teachable moments that we're having where people are really having the discussion and really just talking about what it means uh, to, to experience injustice, whether you are a woman, whether you are same gender loving, whether you are uh, people of color, oppression is oppression and oppression is real. Uh, it just so happened in this particular instance that what happened happened to me as a female or a woman. But I'm hoping that this will lead to a larger conversation about why the symptoms of what we saw with the removal of a video exist. Because what we're talking about are symptoms. Uh, what we really need to address is the system. The systems that continually contribute to the oppression, uh, the marginalization, the invisibility of women and other oppressed groups. And one of those things, one of those systems is patriarchy. One of those systems is sexism. One of those systems is misogyny. These are the larger issues that we often don't really want to talk about because when we bring those up, much as when we bring up racism, people think that we are complaining, that we're fussing, that you have a complex and all those kinds of things. And yet these are the systems that are deeply embedded in our, in society in culture and in our churches. And the tragedy is that uh, they go on without impunity. Uh, as you said, that that Deacon pointed his finger in your wife's face unapologetically. Uh, thankfully, Dr. Ralph West and his staff stood up for her, but in a lot of instances, that does not happen for women. Um, I, because, uh, so, all, so all is when that, have you heard from Dr. Jerry Young, the yes. president of the... And so, what did he yes. say to you? He, he apologized, and he informed me that he would never do something like that, that uh, the same thing he said publicly in the convention is what he said to me, that they believed that it was hacked, and he said that he had friends with the FBI, that he had 
considered contacting, but someone advised him that he didn't need to contact the FBI. I'm sorry. Um, if it, <laughs> hold up, see, right, right, right. See, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. He would, and someone advised him to contact the FBI. I mean, to contact uh, Facebook. And what I said to Doctor Doctor Young is similar to what I'm I'm still advocating, and, and that is, I said to him, I appreciated his phone call and I thanked him for his apology. But I and and he was saying I would never do that. And I said, but you must realize that because of the appearance of what occurred, perception is reality, and that it did not appear to be a coincidence, but it appeared to be a targeted incident where the only female who preached um, my sermon was removed. I also said to him that I believe this could be a pivotal moment for the convention because there are many women who serve in in that particular convention and that, that question, the woman question, still needs to be addressed. And what I tried to encourage him to do and, and my comments to him in terms of his apology with that, was that this is a pivotal moment. This could be a teaching moment. This could be a moment of liberation for the convention, a moment of liberation for uh, the women that serve and serve diligently, who give their money, who serve, and, and, and not just for the National Baptist Convention, because we know uh, that the needle still has, has not moved very much. Many, there are many more women that serve Several women have been elected to serve in pastoral leadership and women are begin people are beginning to consider women, but the numbers, there's still a great disparity. And so mm -hmm. what I what I said to him was this is this could be a very pivotal moment. If we really want to talk about this, let's talk about this in ways that we can address why this can, needs to stop happening and not why it happened, but why it needs to stop happening. Well, and what we've seen, we've seen in the Southern Baptist Convention how they are pulling back, uh, how they are uh, literally um, telling women, don't you dare call yourself reverend. Uh, in fact, uh, that's what happened uh, to uh, Reverend Jackie. She was one of the top teachers at Lifeway. Uh, okay. And they literally told her, you have to, re you take, take reverend off of your website do not refer to Reverend, and or we are going to uh, stop allowing you to be a Lifeway instructor. Uh, yeah. And I remember Fred, Reverend uh, Fred Luter, who later became head of the Southern Baptist right. Convention. President. Uh, he yeah. said to me that he said, "Oh, whenever she was teaching her class, he said we all flocked to her class." Right. Uh, he said, "I remember being in the class, uh, but that's what the Southern Baptist Convention did." Uh, and, yeah, and the only only thing I can give them credit for is being honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean they they were they, they were upfront about it, uh, and uh, you know that that has caused a, a serious problem because you've got uh, a, a number of uh, a number of women who they made it perfectly clear uh, we don't we we don't you're not gonna call yourself a reverend you're not gonna call right. yourself a pastor, uh, and and that's been you know, again they want to return it to being a very conservative. Uh, a convention, and the reality is that is causing friction. Numbers are dropping. Uh, the fastest growing part of the Christian church today is non-denominational. Folk right. not wanting to align with these denominations and all of their archaic rules. And, and, and to, to piggyback on what you've said, 
The other fastest growing population is the nuns, the non-affiliated people who are not affiliated with any kind of church or denomination. Uh, because people see the hypocrisy. Uh, and I think I don't think people expect us to be perfect. People expect the church to be perfect, but they do expect us to be honest, expect us to be authentic, expect us to be realistic, even as we are struggling to um, think about how we want to practice Christianity and how we want to live out our lives as Christians, particularly those of us who claim to be followers of Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, hold tight one second. I'm going to go to a quick break. And when I come back, my okay. panel, they've got some questions. Uh, folks, we're talking to uh, Reverend Gina Stewart of Christ Missionary Baptist Church out of Memphis, uh, who was the first woman to preach at the National Baptist Convention Joint Board Session. And ooh, it caused some of them to get in their feelings. We'll discuss more when we come back. Rolling Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network. get wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach. The wealth gap has literally not changed in over 50 years, according to the Federal Reserve. On the next Get Wealthy, I'm excited to chat with Jim Castleberry, CEO of Known Holdings. They have created a platform, an ecosystem to bring resources to Blacks and people of color so they can scale their business. Even though we've had several examples of um, African-Americans and other people of color being able to be successful, we still aren't seeing the mass level of us being lifted up. That's right here on Get Wealthy, only on Black Star Network. Uh, this is Reggie Rock Byfield. You're watching Roland Martin, unfiltered, uncut, unplugged, and undamn believable. You hear me? All right, folks, welcome back to Roland Martin Unfiltered. Some of y'all in the YouTube chat got me laughing. Y'all sitting here saying, Roland, I can't believe you sat there and cussed uh, with the preacher on the show. First of all, in the words of Reverend Dr. William Barber, ass is in the Bible. <laughs> Y'all know I ain't got no sense. So look, uh, I ain't the one with uh, papers. Look, uh, uh, Matt, Matt, <laughs> Matt, like, I know he ain't just do that. I did. Uh, but I know Homer would have got beat down, just letting y'all know right now. Put your hand in my wa Oh, it would have been on in that church. It would have been some Holy Ghost dancing going on. I've been tap dancing on his head. All right, y'all, let's go with our questions. Uh, let's see here. Who shall go first? Uh, let me see who likely to go to church. Probably not Michael. We know Matt a heathen. So, Kelly, you first. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry, that, that threw me for a loop. Um, Reverend, 
thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Um, my question to you is um, a little personal because um, I actually haven't been to church in a while. I, I Correction. I haven't had a church home in a while specifically because of church politics. Um, I grew up in a mega church. I saw how they treated my mom and family upon, you know, divorces and other, you know, interfamily things and uh, the hypocrisy that you mentioned. I've definitely mm -hmm. been witness to quite a few things. So mm -hmm. it left a bad taste in my mouth. Not saying I'm any less Christian, but I'm really um, discerning when it comes to a church home. Um, mm -hmm. So my question to you is regarding women in the pulpit in general. Um, because that's another thing. My mom was a minister of music. I've seen her on the pulpit many times, um, both as a music director and a musician, but also as a preacher. How do you encourage and help other women reconcile the church politics and, frankly, what you had to deal with just last week by way of what we've been talking about? How do you reconcile the church politics and and the gunk so to speak, with with the pure faith that you have and the call that God has on many women's hearts to come mm -hmm. to a pulpit? Mm -hmm. That That's a long question and a good question. And, and I'll, I'll try to give you my Cliff Note version. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Praise the Lord. Yes, the Cliff Note version. <laughs> my Cliff Note version. Kaylee with the eight-part question. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think first of all, you do have to recognize, number one, and, and I'll, I'll kind of share out of my own experience. When I was making the decision to go into ministry, uh, I was aware of some of the resistance that I would encounter, not necessarily from my uh, pastor because he was very affirming of women, but because I knew that our denomination was, was conservative toward women. And I knew that there were people who would not necessarily embrace my calling. But what I had to do was spend a, some time, a season of discernment, uh, spend some time in a season of prayer to get this green light, if you will, from God. And, even, and, and of course, after even talking with some of my, one of my mentors, one of the things she told me was, no one can uh, clarify your calling. No one can validate your calling. That's something that God has to do. But she did tell me, act on what you have been told to do. And what I decided to do was act on that, yes. And I accepted my call to ministry uh, at the age of 29, and here I am at the age of 63. And while there have been challenges, I wouldn't, I would, I'm glad that I said yes. Uh, as it relates to the politics, I think we have to realize that churches are spiritual organisms, but they're also made up of human people. That, and those people work with us on their jobs. They work, work with us on our jobs. They're in our sororities. They're in our fraternities. And we have to recognize that people are not where it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we are all on a trajectory of growth. And people mature at varying stages and at varying places. I don't know that you can get around politics because wherever you have uh, uh, a group of people uh, politics is going to shape, in some way, shape that organization. I think that what we have to be as leaders, and what I've tried to be as a leader, is a leader of integrity, a leader of transparency, a leader who tries to be objective in my dealings with people, and be fair 
to everybody and try to make sure that our systems are integrous and that there's accountability and that we're answerable to someone, including the pastor is answerable to someone so that we do not create those kinds of experiences that cause people to say, well, you know what? Uh, when I was growing up, they used to say, baby, just stay out the office. If you stay out of the office and what they were really referring to, if you can, if you can stay away from the politics of church, that you would be fine, but you really cannot be involved without experiencing some of that. And um, so I think one of the things we have to do is realize that we're dealing with human beings who have shortcomings, not to make excuses, but we also have to realize that people- Yeah, just fact. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't care. I mean, the, 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 look, listen, the church, the club, the, 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 the Fortune 500 company, uh, right. I mean, you can sit here and, and, and bring up any organization where regular ordinary folk are there, you're going to find drama, you're gonna find all of that, uh, and trauma. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, drama, trauma. You are gonna have all of that sort of stuff. And for all, and, and for the simple Simons out there uh, who are sitting here, uh, and that's the black church. Uh, no, it's the, not. The biggest. It's, 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 first, that's not unique to the listen, black church. Listen, listen. The Southern Baptist Convention. The report was done showing all of the freaks and the pedophiles and the sexual abusers in there. And let's not talk about. Uh, the Catholic Church uh, right. and and all of the nonsense there. So let's just be real clear right there. All right. And, I, and, and can I add? Can I add, Roland? That I think the other thing has to do with expectations. Mm -hmm. And and whenever there is a discrepancy between expectation and reality, disappointment occurs. When we go into a church, we have this expectation that it will be different, that it will just be joy to work with the saints and that everybody loves Jesus and everybody uh, is, is going to be uh, above board, that people are not malicious, that you won't encounter any of the things we encounter on our job, but that is not the reality. The reality is, is that the same people that we work with on our jobs in these other spaces are also in our churches. Indeed. Uh, Matt? First, I want to say, uh, Dr. Stewart, you notice that Roland talking about me, but he talking about fighting Deacon Aloysius Jenkins in the church. So hey, put, put your hand, Roland. put your hand in saying, my wife's face. Just, I'm letting well, you know what's going to go down. You make it. Well, you know what? In any we, event. <clears throat> well, we're, we're grateful that you are willing to defend your spouse. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm listen. Do it to my wife, my sister, my mama. I'm just letting y'all know, somebody gonna get smacked. Just letting y'all know. I'm, hey, you said be upfront and honest. I'm being upfront and honest. <laughs> I've been in federal court all day. Let me just say, not guilty, Roland. Just don't make any admissions. <laughs> in any event, uh, Dr. Stewart, um, thank you for joining us and thank you for your leadership. My thank father you. is actually a Baptist pastor in Austin, and he's had women preach in his church. But one of the things he and I talk about often when he talks about his church is that the issues with membership. I mean, the average age of people in his church are, you know, elderly, and he doesn't have a lot of young people coming to the church, even in a big city like Austin. So my question to you is, what are you finding as a corollary with women being put in prominent? From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. 
Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Uh, positions in the church like yourself, pastoring a church, are you finding a correlation between how many young and new people you're able to bring into the fold and keep them there if women are prominently in leadership? I, I think it depends on, on the context. Um, I'm in the South, and um, I had one person <clears throat> to tell me uh, who had moved their membership that they moved their membership because uh, they wanted to see more men in leadership. And what I said to them was, I don't think you want to see more leadership. You wanted to see, you probably wanted to see, your husband probably wanted to see all men in leadership. Mm. But But because I believe in an inclusive kind of church, the body of Christ, that male and female bring gifts, children, seniors, young adults, et cetera, then inclusivity should be um, what is, I try to practice inclusivity. And so um, as it relates to the way that I lead, women and men lead at our church. Uh, And we're trying to train children to grow up to lead. We give them space to lead. We try to create space because that's the kind of environment that I was raised in. I didn't, as in in my church environment, uh, I did not become an adult and start serving in churches and giving being and given opportunities to lead. I was given those opportunities to lead and to nurture my gifts from the age of 10 when I was baptized up until I began to accept my call to ministry and then later went into the pastor. So I think a lot of it has to do with the, I'm saying that to say, I think a lot of it has to do with the philosophy of the pastor and that pastor's ministry philosophy. I operate from a philosophy of inclusion, which means that I'm always trying to be intentional about making sure that everybody in the congregation is represented. Because when people come to a congregation, they need to see themselves. If a woman goes into a congregation and she doesn't see anything but men in leadership, that should be a red flag. Before the pastor says anything, it should be a red flag that this may not be a place where my gifts can flourish. 
because what we who we put in leadership says a lot about what we think about the people that we are inviting to serve. Our values. That's right. Thank you, Doc. Michael. You're welcome. All right, Dr. Gina Stewart. I guess Roland said he was saving the heathen for last. But even <laughs> though I don't go to even sustained, to, sustained. <laughs> even though I don't go to a church physically, I do attend um, uh, services online. Uh huh. Bedside Baptist Village, the, the African Village out of uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And you were doing that before services. COVID. Yeah, before COVID. Yeah. Yep. Bedside Baptist. Going back to 2010. Going back to 2010. What'd you say? Roland won't let you state the case. Gone. Yeah, well, he's, he, gone. That's, he always does that. Come on, uh, Bedside Baptist. Churches. Come on, Bedside Baptist. So in your January 23rd speech, you said, I think the larger issue is how has patriarchy, how has misogyny, misogynoir, and sexism uh, to the symptoms and the kinds of practices that we see. And then right before the break, you said that this can serve as a moment of liberation, and you talked about women being oppressed in the church. What was the response from pastors, from ministers, male pastors, ministers, et cetera, when you talked about this can serve as a moment of liberation and women being oppressed in the church? What was their response to those statements? Well, I didn't make that statement directly in my sermon. Mm -hmm. I was saying that I would hope that this, the way that the sermon has gone viral, that this could be a moment, this could be a watershed moment, a turning point for the church to examine some of its practices and, 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 and even in other spaces that we examine our practices in terms of the way that we treat not only women, but other uh, oppressed and marginalized lies groups. Now, I will say that one of the things that, in addition to the way that this sermon has gone viral and just been on all kinds of platforms, has been the way that this message has resonated with male and female, with men and women. Uh, there were as many men um, complaining about the sermon being taken down as there were women. And okay. I, I found that to be awe-inspiring, and humbling uh, at the same time, because typically you find that women will will come uh, to the defense of women. But in mm -hmm. this particular case, it, it appeared to me as I and, and as I have received text messages and messages of encouragement from people on social media, uh, in my direct uh, folks are DMing me on Facebook. It has been men and women who have been uh, affirming this message. And, and I'm hoping that that will continue, you know, that this 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 will not just be a one-time moment, but this will be a movement that we will really begin right. to try to be like Claudia, because at the end of the day, what I was really, the, the, the question of the sermon was, what will you do with Jesus of Nazareth? And the question pointed to the fact that the Jesus that we preach about was a Jesus who was on the side of the oppressed, a Jesus who spoke truth to power, a Jesus who did not tolerate corruption, a Jesus who challenged people, a Jesus who was a friend to women. What will we do with that Jesus? Well, there was a woman who spoke up for him. And I believe that that is a part of our charge, that as we represent Jesus, we speak up for Jesus in those spaces where we see those kinds of practices taking place. We're talking about not just what we do on a Sunday morning, but what do we do or when a sermon is proclaimed, but what happens after 
the benediction is given, after we have shouted, after we have danced, after we have spoken in tongues or whatever and rejoiced and, and celebrated all of the rhetorical artistry and the homiletical genius that we love so much in black preaching, at the end of the day, how will we live our lives? What will be our way of being in the world as people who follow Jesus of Nazareth? And how will we practice our Christianity? Right. What has All been right, a you. blessing has been the response mm -hmm. of male and female and even young people and children. Right. All right, then. Well, uh, Reverend Stewart, I appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Um, so are you a deacon, Roland? No, nah, I'm bootleg. <laughs> you what? <laughs> Not bootleg. I'm bootleg. I'm bootleg. I'm oh, bootleg. Okay. I mean, I've done. Bootleg and preaching or bootleg and deaconing? No, no, I'm, I'm bootleg and preaching. I, I've, I've, <laughs> I've done a number of churches. In fact, probably like seven straight years, I did uh, Pat, Reverend Kenneth Whalem's uh, Men's Month. Uh, oh, yeah. And so, yeah, so I have, uh, I've, I've been at his pulpit, uh, Reverend Jenkins uh, at, at uh, First Baptist Glen Arden. Churches in Chicago. So if I invite if I invite you to Memphis, you'll come. Oh, I'll come, but you got to invite my wife first. She got papers. Okay, I can do that. She got papers. Okay, she she did all that seminary stuff. She got papers. I ain't you know, doing. I ain't got time for all that. <laughs> you know, one of the things one of the things that's important to me is you talk about inviting women, and I know my time is up, but is yo, the yo, no, your time not up? I, I own the show. Oh, okay. Is the stewardship of my ministry. And, and one of the things that's important to me is opening doors for other women. So, um, and that's another example. You know, a lot of times you'll see a flyer and you'll see one woman and you'll see three men. Mm -hmm. but, but on my flyer, you might see three women and one man. There you go. Uh, because I believe that stewardship of this influence and this great gift that I've been given is not only a responsibility I have, but it's something that I am accountable to God for. So, yeah, I would probably invite your wife first. That's fine. <laughs> right. I, ain't, I ain't got a problem with that. I ain't got a problem with that. I'm good. I'll I tell you what, you know, because, see, Norm, when she, when she get ready for a sermon, she go, like, into a cocoon and be sitting there, That's like, fine. be she going to sit with the Lord. Be, like, books all around. I'm like, man, what you doing? Oh, I'm getting prepared for my sermon. I say, where's your sermon? She's like, in three weeks. I'm like, three weeks? Like, what you doing? <laughs> So she's taking her assignment seriously. She, I'm like, man, that's just so she got she got long live Reverend Jack. She got mad at me because so I, I I did a church, I did three I did three services in Chicago. So we in the car. She's like, what you gonna talk about? I'm like I ain't decided. I'm like I ain't decided. <laughs> so I'm I'm sick. Cause I don't write speeches. So we sit we sit in the pope, pope and they all introduced me and the choir singing. And so I just I grab my Bible, open it up. I see a scripture. Cut that sucker in half come up with the title, and I knocked it out in about 40 minutes. And she was like, I can't stand when you do that. I said, baby, <laughs> I, I said, baby don't hate the gift. So you, you both have different sermon methodologies. I said, don't, ha I said, don't hate the gift. <laughs> don't, don't hate the gift. <laughs> what you shaking your head for, Matt? Don't hate the gift. <laughs> I can't hear you, Matt. He's muted. Matt, you're on mute. Y'all, y'all got Matt turned down? Listen, they said, Mike, you, look, they said, you, what you say, Matt? 
Now, Matt, you're on mute. I don't know what's going on. Well, Bob line is, listen, that's how I roll. Uh, and so, listen, God gives me to a whole different way. But that 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 cocoon stuff, I'm like, girl, that's way too much for me. Uh-uh. <laughs> I can't. I, uh-uh. No, that's too much for me. Listen, Roland, everybody's methodology is different. I know. I know. I, yeah. like, I, like, I, I, I just tell them, don't hate the gift. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate it. Got it. You got it like that, okay? All right, hey, hey, like he gave it to me. I'm gonna use it. All right, that's right. I appreciate. It. All right, let me know when I'm coming to Memphis. All right. All right, I appreciate. It. Thanks a bunch, folks. Going to break. We come back. We're gonna chat with the family of Amir Locke. Uh, it's been two years since he was gunned down uh, by cops uh, in uh, Minneapolis. Uh, they have uh, continued to keep his memory alive, and we'll discuss that uh, on the show. Plus. We pay tribute to uh, Joe Madison, Vice President Kamala Harris, uh, went on Clay Kane's show on Sirius XM and shared her reflections on Joe. President Joe Biden also released a statement last night as well. We have all of that for you. Uh, and I'm actually going through, sitting here, looking at all the photos from we were in Washington Watch. So I'm going to have some of those ready for you uh, when we pay tribute to Joe. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network. Back in a moment. Next on a frequency. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We have an incredible conversation with my guest, Nadira Simmons, talking about her new book, First Things First, Hip-Hop Ladies That Changed the Game. The founder of Gumbo Net tells us the stories behind the women in hip-hop, starting with the first woman that promoted the hip-hop party to Megan Thee Stallion. There's even a chapter on me. Thank you so yes. much for including me in there. It's just so oh, like, you, know you had to be in there. Yeah. 
That's next on The Frequency on the Black Star Network. Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene. A white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. As an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol. We're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it, and you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause to long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in Black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Checks and money orders go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Next on The Black Table with me, Greg Carr. Immigrants lured off Texas streets and shipped to places like Martha's Vineyard and Washington, D.C. Believe it or not, we've seen it all before. You people in the North, you're so sympathetic to Black people, you take them. 60 years ago, they called it the reverse freedom rides. Back then, Southern governors shipped Black people North with the false promise of jobs and a better life. It's a part of a well-known playbook being brought back to life. So what's next? That's next on The Black Table, a conversation with Dr. Gerald Horn about this issue of the reverse freedom rides right here on the Black Star Network. I'm Farajji Muhammad, live from LA. And this is The Culture. The Culture is a two-way conversation. You and me, we talk about the stories, politics, the good, the bad, and the downright ugly. So join our community every day at 3 p.m. Eastern and let your voice be heard. Hey, we're all in this together. So let's talk about it and see what kind of trouble we can get into. It's The Culture, weekdays at 3, only on the Black Star Network. What's up, y'all? This is Wendell Haskins, a.k.a. Wynn Hogan at the Original Tee Golf Classic. And you know I watch Roland Martin Unfiltered.
Two years ago today, the Minneapolis, Minnesota Police Department was executing a no-knock search warrant in a homicide investigation when SWAT officer Mark Hanneman opened fire on a startled Amir Locke within seconds of opening the door, fatally killing the 22-year-old. Since Amir's murder, his family has been making sure his death uh, was not in vain, especially since Hanneman was not charged with Amir's killing. Amir's aunt and uncle, Andrew and Linda Tyler, produced the documentary No Knock, No Charge, the Amir Locke story. Here's an excerpt. We don't want to continue to hear about being a police officer. It's a difficult job. You have to make split decisions. You fear for your life. You were not drafted into the police department. You chose that profession. And if you think being a police officer And we have to have a justice system that's held accountable. So I think when it comes to these no-knock warrants, it's one of the reasons why we advocated a package of reforms in conjunction with public safety measures. They gotta have something to lose when they have us losing so much. The thing that works me the most is that these policies have been able to be carried out for so long. This is what I would call the anatomy of a cover-up. Amir's gun barrel is pointed straight ahead. Officer Hanneman is to the right of where the gun is pointed. This appears to be the gun laying on its side. You can see the outline of the trigger guard. Amir never pointed the gun at any of the officers. Minnesota has a responsibility to its citizens. If the law does not allow us to file criminal charges in this case, what can we do? Yeah, I'm sorry it took this tragedy, but there are voices now saying across the political spectrum that, that these are dangerous. They're dangerous for, as you saw in this case, a young man, um, they're dangerous for police. And, and we need to figure out what the best practice is to make sure, one, we're getting violent criminals or folks that we're looking for off the streets, but this young man had nothing to do with the warrant. It didn't matter that Amir's name wasn't on the warrant, because we don't have a right to a name in the eyes okay. of some of this. They go to the funeral home after the Minneapolis coroner's office wouldn't release the body. They wouldn't allow for them to see their son. They wouldn't allow for them to identify their baby boy. Amir did everything that every law-abiding gun owner in Minnesota does. Apparently, errant shots into other parts of the house, which in an apartment building puts other people at risk. Continue to have your restless nights because I know you do. You were probably restless before they decided to not charge you today. If you had time to pick a couch two times, not one, but twice, you had time to de-escalate the situation of my melanin black son. Now, you're going to have to deal with me. So my, my question is real simple. Are you going to press charges once <laughs> we show you that there's more evidence uh, uh, in the Amir Lai case? Or once you actually go back and review and look at all of the evidence? Folks, um, they join us. Andrew, his wife, Linda, and Amir's parents. Karen Wells and Andre Locke Sr. Glad to have all of you here. Um, when it comes to this documentary, obviously for some, they would say that that's just having to relive all of this over and over and over again. <laughs> uh, but um, why was it so important uh, 
for y'all to do this, uh, to push this story out, and for people to not forget what happened. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Karen and Andre, I'll start with you first. Well, it's, 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 it's like the, first off, thank you for having us on the show. Um, I thank God for this opportunity that we're able to be on your um, platform that we can talk about Amir, um, saying that we lost him two years ago. For Karen and myself and for our family, it was very important, almost like the Emma Till, uh, the Mobley Till situation, where she was able to show the world what happened to Emma Till. And this was Karen's take on it and also my take on it. And I agree with that so that we can make sure that he wasn't forgotten and so that the world can see that the truth needs no support. Karen? Uh, once again, I would also like to say thank you for having us on your show and continuing to be a voice for our son, Amir Locke. Um, like Andre Sr. stated and said, it's very important for people to understand and know that in cases like this, officers and the media always put out a one-sided narrative. And Amir was awakened out of his sleep. He was not part of the warrant. As a matter of fact, nobody that lived in that apartment was part of the warrant, which was not for a person, but they were actually using the SWAT team to search for property in a case that had nothing to do with our son. And so we want everybody to know that no-knock warrants are deadly. Mm -hmm. And as you can see, our son didn't make it out alive. And we also want them to see the truth behind an unjust slave patrol, modern-day slave patrol, and how they continue to lie and murder our children. Um, Andrew and Linda, um, your perspective, please. Um, again, Roland, we want to thank you for this opportunity uh, because while people forget, we never forget because we lost Amir. So we have to live with it every single day. And like you said on the onset of this, this um, interview, you said, why do it when people have to relive it over and over again? Um, because the truth needs to come out. We thought that um, attorney Keith Ellis would do his job, would hold the cops accountable, and charges would be brought. And even if we lost, at least charges was brought. But when he didn't do that, it didn't sell well with us that we just go about our lives as if Amir didn't matter, as if it, they made an accident and oops, it was okay. And so we as a family should just get over it. And so when this first happened to us, um, we had recorded so much footage. And I said to my husband, cause he's a filmmaker, I said, I wanna do a documentary um, I said, we have a lot of footage because we didn't know what was going to happen. And as a family who's never had to deal with this, um, we needed to be able to go back and look at those things um, and be able to process. Because anybody knows when a crisis happens in your life, you are not able to process it. Um, and so we didn't even know what we was recording or why <coughs> we were recording, but God knew. And he put it on my heart 
And we decided to go ahead, do the interviews with some people, and really allow the story of what really took place to really be brought to um, the forefront. And um, my brother Buddy said it earlier, uh, this is the modern-day version of Emmett Till. They walked in to a young man's dwelling with the key fob while he was sleeping and killed him. Uh, back in the 60s, they went in and they took him from his sleep. So we have to say, as a community, enough is enough. And we, as a family, we're not accepting it. We're not just accepting it that we're just going to go away. So that's the reason why we decided to make sure this um, movie is told and this documentary and Amir's voice is heard because they silenced it two years ago today. Um, this was one of the, the, the notion of banning no-knock warrants was one of the biggest parts of the George Floyd Justice Act um, that Senator Tim Scott, frankly, killed uh, in Congress. Uh, but we've seen how... Um, other cities uh, have looked at this as well, uh, and this is being frowned upon. Uh, and so is it still your aim uh, that this becomes a, na you know, in a national bill where other families don't have to deal uh, with this at all? Because we've just done way too many stories where this has happened, and brothers, brothers have lost their lives as a result of these no-knock warrants. Andrew? Well, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, she uh, presented the um, Amir Locke Deadly No-Knock Warrant Act. And in the midst of that, um, of course, she's, she's presented to Congress, is still in the Congress, uh, and we, we want it to pass, but the support on it, for some, for some reason, it's just been sitting and it's been locked. So we do want a nationwide ban on um, no-knock warrants. Now, in the, in the film, we actually show you the whole family. Uh, Buddy, uh, you saw a clip of him and, and my wife as well and myself. We were at the uh, Minnesota uh, Congress. We were in the Capitol uh, assisting in getting uh, no-knock warrants restricted. So we have uh, been able to get that stuff done uh, in Minnesota, and it's a blueprint. This movie, uh, Roland, it's a blueprint for what families should do and how they should proceed when they go through a crisis. Uh, uh, Linda said earlier, um, what do you do? How do you know what to do uh, when you're going through something like this and when, you're, when, when there's a tragedy that, that strikes you like this? Um, I just started recording, man. I just started recording. And eventually, we were recording for the sake of the courts so that we can go back and remember what was said uh, by our family. But then, as a filmmaker, um, producer, writer, director, editor, I, uh, Linda, she made the auction. I said, well, I want to turn this into a movie. And um, she said, no, let's do a documentary. So I, I ended up getting the permission from uh, Karen and Buddy, and they agreed to it. And it's been a hard thing for us because we've traveled to Arkansas. We've been to New York uh, in creating the film. We've exhausted monies uh, to do so. And, um, and, and uh, now... Uh, we're just starting to see a little bit of light. We've been accepted into the Pan-African Film Festival, the Twin Cities Black Film Festival. Uh, I don't know uh, if you remember here locally, uh, WVON with Vine TV, uh, Miss Melody Span Cooper received us. So we've been getting some wonderful support. And I, I too, want to thank you as well for having us on the show, um, because his message does need to be heard. Um, when I think about Amir, really quick, when I think about Amir, I almost think about a martyr. You have someone sitting there 
and, and he becomes this martyr for no-knock warrants. Uh, previous to that, it was Breonna Taylor. Well, this is not the Breonna Taylor story. This is totally different. They walked in, killed somebody, know they killed somebody, and then tried to cover it up. And what I did was I took 56 body cams and showed you what they did on camera in their own words. Nothing is filtered. Nothing is, nothing is uh, uh, altered. They say what they did, um, including the coroner's office, all the way down to... I mean, it is crazy what they do to black folk. So um, I just wanted to make sure that this becomes a modern-day blueprint, more than uh, 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 an Emmett Till story, because we have one of the family members of Emmett Till in the movie uh, supporting us and helping us. Um, so, Lord willing, it'll turn into something much larger. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh, my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote for when you have a 22-year-old sitting on the couch, the police can't come in and just kill them. And this is white, black, Mexican, Puerto Rican. This is not a black people's story. This is an American story. They continue to do it, man. They continue to do it. And no accountability, Roland. No accountability. Yep. Indeed. Uh, indeed. Uh, if folks want to get more information uh, on the film, but also on the work that y'all are doing uh, public policy-wise, um, Karen, where should they go? Well, actually, they can follow all of our um, Facebook pages. Um, we also have a page set up for Amir Locke, and we always go on and we post um, information uh, about everything that we're doing in honor of our son and just continuing to fight and get justice for him as well. All right, then. Uh, we'll appreciate it. Uh, keep up the good work, uh, and thanks for your service. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. 
uh, folks, gonna go into a break. We come back. Uh, we'll pay tribute to um, actor, former football player Carl Weathers, uh, as well as continue our tribute to the Black Eagle, Joe Madison. Uh, you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network. For the last 15, or maybe 16 years, 18 years, I'll say, since I, when I moved to L.A., I hadn't had a break. I hadn't had a vacation. Probably a week vacation here or there. Right. This year, after I got finished doing Queen Sugar and we wrapped it up, because I knew I had two TV shows coming on at the same time, mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to take a little break. So I've been on break for the first time, and I can afford it. Praise right. God. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So I can afford it. And I'm like, I can right. sit back and ain't got nothing to worry about, man. But this was the first time in almost in, in two decades wow. that I've actually had time to sit back. Wow. And, and, and smell the roses. Next on The Black Table with me, Craig Carr. Immigrants lured off Texas streets and shipped to places like Martha's Vineyard and Washington, D.C. Believe it or not, We've seen it all before. You people in the North, you're so sympathetic to black people, you take them. 60 years ago, they called it the reverse freedom rides. Back then, Southern governors shipped black people North with the false promise of jobs and a better life. It's a part of a well-known playbook being brought back to life. So what's next? That's next on The Black Table, a conversation with Dr. Gerald Horn about this issue of the reverse freedom rides right here on the Black Star Network. On the next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, how big a role does fear play in your life? Your relationship to it and how to deal with it can be the difference between living a healthy life, a balanced life, or a miserable one. Whenever the power of fear comes along, you need to put yourself in that holding pattern and breathe, examine, find out if there's something that your survival instinct requires you to either fight or take flight. Facing your fears and making them work for you instead of against you. That's all next on A Balanced Life on Black Star Network. Hey, it's John Murray, the executive producer of the new Sherry Shepard Talk Show. This is your boy, Earthquake. And you're tuned in to Roland Martin Unfiltered. Folks, uh, we got the news today that 76-year-old uh, actor and athlete Carl Weathers, uh, who starred as Apollo Creed in the first four Rocky films, also appeared in Predator, Happy Gilmore, dozens of other movies and TV shows, died at the age of 76. His family released this statement about his passing. We're deeply saddened to announce the passing of Carl Weathers. He died peacefully in his sleep on Thursday, February 1st, 2024. Carl was an exceptional human being 
who lived an extraordinary life through his contributions to film, television, the arts, and the sports. He has left an indelible mark and is recognized worldwide and across generations. He was a beloved father, grandfather, partner, and friend. The New Orleans uh, native uh, played college football at San Diego State and briefly played professionally with the Cleveland, with, with the Oakland Raiders, uh, as well as in the Canadian Football League, the BC Lions. In the 70s, he gave up football to pursue acting. Uh, he starred in two uh, blaxploitation movies before landing his role in the blockbuster franchise Rocket, survived by his sons Matthew and Jason. And of course, uh, I always, of course, uh, I, wasn't Action Jackson set in Detroit? Was this where it was set? So uh, that that was always uh, uh, one of my favorites of, uh, of uh, Carl Weathers uh, in Action Jackson. Matt, shaking your head. Uh, uh, seems like you you a fan of that one too, huh? Always think of when I think of Carl Weathers is Action Jackson first. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, it was always uh, glad to see him. Um, <clears throat> Kelly, I met and I was trying to find, and I did not. Uh, it was funny because we took some photos. There was, a, there was an Icon Man uh, event in L.A. Uh, probably about 12 years ago, and he was one of the folks there. And I, and I can tell you, anytime I was at different events, uh, and if I did see Carl Weathers there, uh, uh, you know, folks always paid, always paid, paid their respects to him, uh, and he was beloved by a lot of folks there uh, in Hollywood. I mean, I have yet, in, in all the tributes that I've seen thus far this evening, I've yet to see anything that reflects um, even an inkling of, of content towards this man. He, by all accounts, was a wonderful human being. Um, actually, one of my um, favorite roles that he played was in The Mandalorian, as well as, the I believe, the last season of In the Heat of the Night. Yep, yep, he was um, in that. I, I he was in that. Love that. Yeah, I love that show, and um, that was my first introduction to Carl Weathers. So I, I respect his craft. I respect um, everything about him. Um, certainly, his talent is is going to be missed considerably in Hollywood. Uh, indeed, indeed, Michael. Yeah, I remember. Um... Carl Weathers in Bucktown with Fred Williamson. Uh, I remember him on Good Times, uh, Husband of the Wiggler, the woman who J.J. was doing a portrait of. Um, uh, of course, we remember him in the Rocky movies. He really broke out in the Rocky movies. Uh, I don't think I don't think Sylvester Stallone had to kill the brother though in Rocky IV, but that's a whole nother conversation. But also, uh, I, I go, went to go see him in the theater in um, Action Jackson, okay, uh, co-starring with Vanity as well. And it, yes, it was set in Detroit. And I was hoping they would make that into a series, but they never did. Um, he was excellent in Action Jackson. So yes, he was on In the Heat of the Night as well. Um, after uh, Howard Rollins, uh, um, well, well it, yeah, I think I think after Howard Rollins left the show, he was on In the Heat of the Night also. So uh, you know, this is a big loss. He was a fantastic uh, actor, and um, you know we're going to learn and fantastic human being as well. But we're going to learn more about him as the days go on, also. Folks, um, yesterday, of course, we uh, learned the sad news of the passing of Joe Madison, and so many tributes have uh, poured in uh, for Joe, passed away at the age of 74.
of course, longtime uh, voice of uh, Radio Hall of Fame as well. Today on Clay Kane's show, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris called in uh, to share her thoughts uh, about Joe Madison, the Black Eagle. In honor of Mr. Joe Madison, it is truly a pleasure to have on Vice President Kamala Harris. Thank you for being here, Vice President Kamala Harris. Thank you, Clay. I'm actually on Air Force Two heading to South Carolina. I, I know Joe would want that. I'm heading over there because we well, want to make sure everybody gets out to vote for the first Democratic primary. And for the first time historically, it'll be in South Carolina. But I just have to say to you, to your listeners, to, to Sherry, Mr. Madison's wife, and their children, I was so, so, so very sorry to, to hear the news of his passing. You know, I just talked to him, I think it was about two weeks ago, um, and I just, I love Joe Madison, I have to tell you. I, he was one of the first interviews I did when I arrived in D.C. in the United States Senate. I looked it up. It was in that, that February. I, I arrived in D.C. that January of 2017, and Joe Madison was one of the first serious interviews that I did after becoming only the second black woman to, to join the United States Senate. And he was just such a, a dear and, and just, Lori? I always just enjoyed Loria. Just talking with him and laughing with him about our world and our country. Absolutely. And uh, Vice President Harris, the, the road to Congress really was talking to Joe Madison. It honestly was talking to Joe Madison. That was such an important part. If you wanted to connect with black communities, talking to him. What, what are your memories sitting down with the one and only Mr. Joe Madison? Joe Madison, first of all, I just, my, my memories are of over the years, whenever there was a moment in terms of what was happening in our country that was a significant moment, an inflection moment, I always talked with Joe Madison. And, in fact, the first interview I did was after or during the time that I was questioning the then um, attorney general under that was the appointed, Jeff Sessions, mm. <laughs> under then-President uh, Trump. And over the years, when every, every big moment came, I would talk with Joe Madison. And he always – he would always be able to, in the conversation – remind us all about the history on an issue. He always had a perspective that is a reflection of the voice of the people. And then he always had a, you know, a, a wonderful way of, of finding something humorous about the moment um, in a way that we all understood the, the ironies of these moments, the hypocrisy of the moment, but also when we could even just think about the joy of a moment. Um, and Joe, and Joe would always ask, Joe Madison would always ask, and he would ask of us all to ask, what are we going to do about it, yes. whatever that moment was, especially when it was a challenging moment. Before you go, Vice President Harris, we all know that Mr. Joe Madison was a true advocate for voting rights. He went on a hunger strike. Uh, that is part of his, his legacy. If you could just speak to the audience of the kind of work that he did around voting rights, and especially in this 2024 election cycle, how he would want us to show up, how he would want us to participate. So the character of Joe Madison that I so admired is the character that he, he had a, an incredible 
sense of optimism about what is possible, but it was, to your point, a lived experience for him that he reminded us all of that you got to fight. you got to fight for progress, and you can't be passive. You can't be a passive observer. Um, you know, Joe Madison loves our people and always had an incredible amount of pride, and that pride extended to, to always, you know, reminding us all that we got to participate, we got to be active around election time, we got to vote. I certainly think about this election coming up this November being an election where we each have to decide what kind of country do we want to live in. And I think that, you know, knowing Joe, if I could be so bold as to say, he would say, well, you can participate in deciding what kind of country you want to live in, and one way to do that is by voting. I truly thank you. My audience thanks you for coming on in this moment and this moment and speaking to us. Vice President Kamala Harris, it is truly an honor. Thank you once again for coming on to honor uh, family, Mr. Joe Madison. Thank you, Vice President Kamala Harris. I thank you, and I'm, let me just say I know that all of the listeners – are part of his family, and I know I will say it as somebody who has been honored to be a part of the conversations with him, that Doug and I, we send our prayers to Sherry and their children and to everybody, because I know how he really loved the people he worked with, and, and it was part of his family as well. So I'm just thinking of all of you, and let's just keep that incredible Joe Madison alive in terms of his spirit in our memories and in our thoughts. And thank you. And take care. I'll talk to you later. Thank Bye-bye. you. Vice President Kamala Harris honoring Mr. Joe Madison. Thank you so much. You have a good day. Be safe. Be blessed. Folks, um, President Joe Biden released this statement last night, posted on social media. Uh, Joe Madison was the voice of a generation, whether it was a hunger strike for voting rights or his advocacy for anti-lynching legislation uh, that I was proud to sign in 2022. He fought hard against injustice. Jill's, Jill, in my thoughts, are with his wife, Sherry, and entire family. Joining us right now is Melanie Campbell. She's president and CEO. Nat- um, not, well, hopefully Melody will join us soon. Uh, Lori Daniels Favors, uh, she's executive director for the Center for Law and Social Justice at Medgar Evers College, also hosts the show uh, on Sirius XM Radio. Lori, uh, you had, uh, I was looking at some of the social media posts. I was traveling, flying back uh, from Dallas from Pastor Haynes' event last night, uh, and uh, you had quite uh, an emotional show today uh, in honor of Joe Madison. And it was almost impossible not to, Roland. Um, quite frankly, you know, there's this phrase that says when an elder dies, it's as if an entire library has burned down. And when it comes to Joe Madison, the wealth of knowledge that he shared, not just knowledge gained from, from study, but knowledge gained from experience, um, the way that he was completely selfless with mentoring young folk coming behind him, the way he was unapologetic in demanding excellence in service to this community and valuing our community. I mean, I just... Yeah, it was hard not to be emotional. It was hard not to be emotional. And I think anyone who was privileged enough, as you well know, um, to ever sit with him, speak with him, learn from him, 
Um, we are all crystal clear about the role that he played, and this is a significant loss. And, and obviously, when you talk about someone who's on radio, I mean, it's people, it's, it's family. People are calling in. They're sharing their thoughts and reflections, and, and you're literally with them every single day as they're in the car taking their kids to school, uh, as they're at work, as they are, you know, cleaning up around the house. And so uh, it, it's, a, it's a much more, uh, I, I think it's a, it's a much more personal relationship than it is if you, even if people who watch you on television. Radio just totally different. Yeah, and, and one of the things he cultivated was that sense of community. Um, you know, today, my show was dedicated to callers who just wanted, needed a space to voice, needed a space to share in grief and to mourn. And it was the honor of a lifetime to be able to take that slot following him because we, we consider him the anchor at Sirius XM Urban View. He helped to not only uh, create a path for all the rest of us, but he helped to curate the appetite within our community for knowledge. He helped to curate an appetite for desiring to answer that question, what are you gonna do about it? And he wasn't asking that question to be facetious. And uh, we actually had a caller on today who said that uh, Joe Madison had chastised him once when he called in and he wanted to know, when was Joe gonna pass the baton? And Baba Joe Madison was like, I'm not passing you my baton. My, my torch, I will light your torch, but I'm not going to give you my torch because then I'm, I'm in the dark and I, I'm in the cold. And we have to not just think about passing a torch, but using our wisdom, uh, those who are elders, to light the torches of those coming behind us because we don't want anyone in the dark. We want us all to be, be able to be pointed towards the light. And that was something he did masterfully. And um, one of the benefits that we do have, however, for those of you who are listeners of SiriusXM, you know that for the past several months while he was navigating his transition um, and we were praying for him, rooting for him, every morning, four-hour show, still able to run on the classics because the decades of, of work that he had done, the interviews, the conversations, as relevant now as they had ever been. Uh, and so truly, it is, It is a, again, as I said, a significant loss. The difference, I would say here, is that we have his messaging we have access to his content. We have access to his voice still, even in this time. Um, and that's something that I think is going to, to be a, a real source of comfort for a lot of folks. Uh, M Michael Imhotep, uh, your thoughts? Uh, I live in Detroit. From, the, from Detroit, I remember hearing Joe Madison years ago on the radio here in Detroit. I think it was WXYZ Radio. And he actually came to my school um, when I uh, was in high school, and he spoke to us in the auditorium, uh, Cast Tech. And I remember him talking about, one of the things I remember him saying is that, you know, a lot of people were uh, talking about African-Americans being athletes, things like this, and, and a lot of African-American children being athletes. But he, he told us that there were more black people working at NASA using their brains than there are uh, professional athletes, right? And now, this was years before Hidden Figures came out, years before we learned about Katherine Johnson and, and the human computers, the African-American women who wrote code. Um, so, and I remember seeing Joe Madison a few times here uh, uh, on uh, Roland Martin Unfiltered as well. Uh, so, you know, this is a huge loss. Uh, he was an activist as well. He wasn't just a radio host. He was an activist involved in the NAACP uh, here in Detroit. Then he goes on to Washington, D.C. So, you know, this is a huge loss, but I think it's a testament. And there's a big difference between uh, podcasters or people who are YouTube personalities and people who learn this craft and use it for the betterment of African-Americans and the betterment of America in general. That's right. Um, Matt? I found uh, the Black Eagle when I was...
From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote law school and all I will say is that I hope that I leave a legacy of being as fearless and as direct in not only what I'm saying and, and in uh, advocating for my people but that there never be a question of where my loyalty lies and where my pursuit of the truth lies and that's what I think of when I think of the black eagle is fearlessness right I mean as a lawyer that's what I try to exude when I'm representing clients and um, that's what he did for our people. He was fearless, and he asked the questions other people are afraid to ask and uh, called us to task, and I hope that um, I, I leave the same kind of legacy because that's what I think of when I think of the black people. Melanie Campbell joins us right now, National Coalition on Civic Voter Participation. She's uh, there in South Carolina. Uh, Melanie, uh, go right ahead with your reflections uh, about Joe Madison. Hi, Roland. Uh, we're out here in South Carolina. One of the things that um, uh, that I loved about uh, uh, our brother Joe Madison, the Black Eagle, uh, he was just so unapologetic uh, about being black, about speaking up for black, by challenging all of us. Uh, uh, I'm here in South Carolina. One of the things we know about his history, uh, his NAACP history, was about voting, you know, making sure that we voted. He just could not stand. People not taking the exercising the the power of of our ballot, and so that's I thought about that, Roland. And back in October was the last time I went. Uh, I was blessed to be on his show uh, when we went down to Florida, and you know we spent time talking about how we got to get this thing done. How what's it that thing? He just, I it's still like, I'm not. I know he's gone, but it's just the, the, his his light was so strong. Um, I just can't 
believe that light has been extinguished on this side of glory. But I, it, but it also everywhere we've been, people have been mentioning it. Uh, uh, Joe Madison in the space we're in right now, Roland, at the brother with the brothers. Brothers are talking about that. Spent some time to just take a moment uh, because his his voice resonated for brothers from all walks of life. And so it's a great, great loss. And only thing I know we do is we keep fighting and we keep doing the work uh, while we're here. Uh, and, and I know he was close with you. Go right ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And I just, I know you eyes were closed. And I just, I'm really sad. <laughs> I'm just honest. I'm really sad. And um, just going to keep fighting and, and uh, remembering him by doing the work and doing the best we can to make sure our people uh, are not uh, wiped out uh, in this political process by making sure that we maximize our power through that vote. Indeed, indeed. Melanie Campbell, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Ro. Folks, last night I was in Dallas uh, at the uh, installation service for Reverend Dr. Frederick Haynes, uh, the new president and CEO of the National Urban League. Uh, Reverend Al Sharpton caught up with him, and here's what he had to say uh, about uh, the Black Eagle. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Just uh, your thoughts on uh, the Black Eagle, Joe Madison. Well, no one was longer and stronger in communicating to our people and to the world what liberation was about. He did it in season and out of season. And there will not be one that can replace Joe Madison. Joe Madison, the Black Eagle, lasted decades as a voice that was unfiltered and that was unafraid. And he'll be greatly missed, a real giant. Uh, who leads the MLK Memorial Foundation uh, got the opportunity to also uh, talk with Harry uh, and he talked about the role uh, that Joe played in the building of the MLK Memorial. All right. Uh, again, um, how critical uh, was, was Joe, his voice, especially when it came to the memorial? Let me tell you, Joe Madison was just a wonderful human being from his days in Detroit to being in D.C., helping us with the memorial, especially when we dedicate the memorial. Joe was there every step of the way, helping the voice and get people out to contribute, to donate, to build what we now know as the Martin Luther King Memorial. Sorry to hear about his loss. Blessings to his family and all his listeners. He's a great man. And uh, as I said, uh, Reverend Haynes, uh, he is the uh, new president and CEO uh, of the uh, Rainbow Push Coalition. And here is Reverend Haynes. was our voice, our unapologetic, unafraid voice, who spoke truth to power, but also in the tradition, as you mentioned tonight, Roland, of Frederick Douglass and the North Star. He carried that, man. He carried that. Showing up at marches, protest. I mean, Joe was always there. So he didn't just talk it during his radio show. Joe Madison showed up for us all the time. And so today, man, my heart is broken uh, because this man has left a huge void that we're going to have to fight to fill because Joe Madison was about it. And I first met him at a protest march. That's how serious I'd heard his voice, but I saw him at a protest march.
because Joe Madison was about it. So he's going to be missed because he truly was the Black Eagle. Uh, Lori, final thoughts from you. Um, when, it, when it comes to the folks there at SiriusXM, I mean, he, he basically uh, was uh, who all looked up to. Uh, he was, uh, I dare say, uh, Papa Bear uh, of SiriusXM for the brothers and the sisters. You would not be wrong with that, Brother Roland. And um, we have this tagline on SiriusXM's Urban View, the channel where we all serve. And the tagline is, where talk empowers and becomes action. And Baba Joe Madison embodied what that meant in real time. And he was one of the reasons why a lot of us knew we could be in a space like that, because he believed in us, he believed in our people, he believed in empowering us to do what it was what, that was necessary to tie our purpose to the needs of our community and to walk in that purpose with our backs straight. And um, I just pray that we will continue to uphold his legacy. There is no replacing Joe Madison, let us be crystal clear. But we can all answer the question that he would every day pose to his audience and pose to us, what are you going to do about it? And then get busy figuring it out and get it done. Our people deserve activists, organizers, radio spokespersons uh, who love us unapologetically. And he embodied that. Um, and I just pray that his example continues to be a light for all of us. The Lurie Daniel Favors, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Folks, we're going to go to a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about prostate cancer. Joe battled prostate cancer. We recently lost uh, Dexter King to prostate cancer. And, of course, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin uh, was diagnosed with prostate cancer. We'll talk to uh, a doctor next about the importance of African-American men definitely getting checked for prostate cancer. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Next on The Black Table with me, Craig Carr. Immigrants lured off Texas streets and shipped to places like Martha's Vineyard and Washington, D.C. Believe it or not, we've seen it all before. You people in the North, you're so sympathetic to black people, you take them. 60 years ago, they called it the reverse freedom rides. Back then, Southern governors shipped black people north with the false promise of jobs and a better life. It's a part of a well-known playbook being brought back to life. So what's next? That's next on The Black Table, a conversation with Dr. Gerald Horn about this issue of the reverse freedom rides right here on The Black Star Network. Hello, I'm Jamia Pugh. I am from Coatesville, Pennsylvania, just an hour right outside of Philadelphia. My name is Jasmine Pugh. I'm also from Coatesville, Pennsylvania. You are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Stay right here. Madison, uh, who passed away um, at the age of 74, battled prostate cancer on a couple of occasions. He previously 
had defeated prostate cancer uh, in 2022 when he was on his hunger strike for voting rights. Um, he had announced that uh, it had spread and he continued the um, hunger strike. This is actually him talking about that uh, with his audience. The Black Eagle. And here's a highlight from today's show. I was looking down this list of clips, and we hadn't, you know, the one clip I have not heard, and that is um, Jesse Waters. You're correct. Who, who mocked Joe Biden because of, for his efforts to cure cancer? It's it's number, uh, yeah, play that one. We have it right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah play it. You have it. Play that. I'm, I want to hear what he said. Play it. The president of the United States made a bold announcement today. He couldn't crush COVID, so he's going to cure cancer instead. In the last two years of COVID-19 pandemic, it's taken more than the, the pandemic has taken more than 800,000 American lives. But that same period of time, cancer has claimed 1.2 million American lives. Now that I am president, this is a presidential White House priority. What many of you don't know is that Joseph R. Biden Jr. is a modern-day Renaissance man. He cut his teeth riding Amtrak all those years, where he was able to read the paper while drinking coffee and handing the conductor his ticket at the same time. So rest assured, cancer will be cured by Joseph Biden, who would have been an oncologist if he didn't run for office. Oh, Does Dr. Give me Joe a Biden break. have a lot give me of a break. Stop. So he decided to mock the president because the president said, you know, I'm going to make this a priority. And we're going to find a cure for cancer. It reminds me of another president. We're going to go to the moon within the decade. Now, he was off by a year or two. God. And, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, let me, let me say this. Maybe y'all did not, maybe some of you did not know this. Michelangelo, uh, you know, Michelangelo, Cingarelli, and we, we've been talking. We both are cancer survivors. He found out he had prostate cancer. I found out. Now, let me, let me share this with you. And, 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 and some of you, I mean, it was no secret. I issued a, a statement. I started the, the hunger strike on November 8th. And um, I think I mentioned, uh, yeah, I did talk about it. I think I did. That by December, I had already been 30 days plus into the hunger strike and found out that my uh, prostate cancer through... Uh, See through a CAT scan and MRI had spread. Um, the cancer cells the, had spread to the shoulder and 
different parts of the body. But the doctor, the the oncologist, and uh, he's a combination of oncologist and a... uh, Huh? Urologist, yeah. Yeah, urologist. So he... He, he, you know, he said, uh, I looked at the, the CAT scan and I got, he said, it's, it's, it's spread. Now, how do you want to deal with it? And, uh, and, and so the, the first question was, well, does my protest, will, will it, will, does it, will it enhance, I mean, will it hurt? Well, I have to, should I stop the, the hunger strike? He said, no, 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 I, you know, that, no, that, that won't, he said, but here's, if you decide to go with this treatment, it, it's, it's hormonal, right? Uh, you're going to have to come in every three months uh, and, um, get infusion, in other words, injections in your stomach every three months. I said, well, for, wait a minute, for how long? And this was within, you know, I mean, I'm, this is, you know, the first one was mid-December. Um, he said, really, for the rest of your life. Wow. And so the, and, and so I'm, you know, the, so then, and what if I decide not to take this treatment? What if I just decide, you know what, I, I, I can't go I can't be running back to uh the hospital every three months and going through every and getting an injection. What if I, I I'm thinking this, I wasn't speaking it, I was thinking it. What if I just say forget it? And I just won't bother for this kind of treatment. So what would happen? And uh the urologist very in a deadpan kind of way, well you'll be dead in a year and a half. Oh, and by the way, within during that year and a half, we'll be giving you pain medication because you'll be in tremendous pain. Oh, okay. Well, that answers that question. Every three, what do you say, Sherry? Every three months doesn't doesn't yeah, sound bad. Every three Folks, uh, joining us down, Dr. Terry Mason. He's the host of the Doctor in the House with Dr. Terry Mason on WVON Radio, sixteen ninety AM, the Talk of Chicago. Uh, Terry, always glad to see you uh, and chat with you. Um, Over the years, you and I have discussed this issue on many occasions, uh, how critically important it is for men, but especially black men, um, to get their regular checkups when it comes to prostate cancer. Uh, Like I said, Dexter King just passed away, age of 62, due to prostate cancer. Uh, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, um, found out he's 70 years old. Uh, he, he chose, uh, Joe chose to be public. Austin chose to keep be extremely private, didn't even tell the president. Um, but, and, and in fact, this week, he, he was released from the hospital. Uh, and he held his news conference where he apologized for this. Pentagon, I did want to address my recent hospital stay and some of the issues around it. I'm recovering well, but as you can see, I'm still recovering. Still having some leg pain and doing physical therapy to get past it. I'm deeply grateful to my doctors and the nursing staff at Walter Reed. And I very much appreciate all the good wishes. But I want to be crystal clear. 
we did not handle this right, and I did not handle this right. I should have told the president about my cancer diagnosis. I should have also told my team and the American public. And I take full responsibility. I apologize to my teammates and to the American people. Now, I want to make it very clear that there were no gaps in authorities and no risk to the department's command and control. At every moment, either I or the deputy secretary was in full charge. And we've already put in place some new procedures to make sure that any lapses in notification don't happen. In the future, if the deputy secretary needs to temporarily assume the, the duties of my office, she and several White House... So... From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Terry, look, people decide on their own. Do they want to go public? Do they want to remain private? Um, when Richard Roundtree was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, he didn't, the, he didn't tell anyone. He didn't tell the woman he was involved with uh, that he was dating, uh, and, he, and he chose to keep it private. Uh, I remember talking to... Um, I do remember talking to Richard, though, uh, about breast cancer, and when he... He, he said he initially wanted to be private. Then he went public. And he got on an airplane, and a flight attendant said, thank you so much for telling your story, because after you told your story, I made my husband go get checked, and he was diagnosed with breast cancer, and your testimony saved his life. That's not uncommon, that that, that one person catalyzes a, a movement. Um, and it's, it's, it's a great thing, uh, especially men in cancer. 
you know, being a urologist for nearly 30 years, you get to see that men, though we are portrayed as being super strong and super vigilant, um, sometimes it's very difficult to divulge these things because it may us may make some of us think that we're being weak. And so that's not true. You know, that's not true. And I know that's not true. Mm -hmm. So what, but what I will say is this, and that was why when I was in practice, what I did, we started a group, a prostate cancer survivors group, where we actually had the, 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 the husband, the, the patients, the husbands and the wives, anybody else in the family that wanted, wanted to come and share. Because what happens when you get something like this, a lot of times you think you're the only one. And that's not true. And there's comfort in knowing that there's other people that are going through what you're going through, especially with some of the side effects of some of the treatment, particularly the hormonal treatment. Because what happens, um, if I can take a minute, if that's yeah, all yeah, right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, what prostate cancer, uh, we believe that it is fed by the male hormone testosterone, which is made, obviously, in our testicles. And one of the treatments, particularly as we get more spread of the disease, is to re remove the source of the testosterone, which is the testicles. And in the old days, that's what the old days. That's what we used to do. I used to take out the testicles, but nowadays they have a drug that they can administer that lasts for three months, six months, or in some of them over a year that actually shuts off the testosterone. And uh, what happens is it puts men into menopause, just like a woman. They start having hot flashes. Uh, it's a very difficult thing to deal with, but it is one of the treatments, along with the other chemotherapeutic agents that some of the the oncologists will talk about. And I'll stop right there. I remember when th th there were some changes to the PSA test, and I and, and I had you on. Uh, I can't remember. It could have been the Times Journal Morning Show or my TV One show. I can't remember. Uh, and, and and you were like, nah, mm -mm, bros. Don't listen to that. And you have this conflicting information. So, um, so, so when it comes to um, pros getting prostate checked, first off, what's the process? Because you got some, you got some men out there who thinking, man, I, 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 they, they got visions of somebody putting the glove on, and and I'm doctors like, calm down. That's not always happens. You've got you've got blood work that's done as well. Walk us through. What actually, how, how are you checking for prostate cancer? Number one, you always do a history, find out whether or not there's anything in the family. Secondly, you want to also do a rectal exam. But hold on one second. When you say, I want to go back to that. When you say history in the family, so what are you looking for? What, what are, you, are you looking for, hey, uncle, cousin, brother, and you want to know at what age, right? Yes, it's a full, what we do is unfortunately, a lot of times we don't have that information. Um, because, because we don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. That's the problem. I, I mean, in fact, I remember when Deion Sanders had the blood clots, it was then his mama told him, oh, yeah, you, your uncle... He said, mama, all these years, you never told me we had a history of blood clots in my fam family? Yep. Yeah. That's what happens. And so, uh, because people, men, we, we get so, uh, I want to call it pseudo-homogenized by this thing by thinking that if you admit that you've got a problem, that you're, you're weak or something's wrong, that's not, and there's nothing that you did, nothing you could do that would have caused you to get it. And there's only things you can do to help yourself as you are diagnosed and going through the treatment situation. So 
that is that's a that's a real problem. It's a real problem. But what we want to do is I want to go back. And right now, because of the things that you just talked about happening in the in the um, in the news with men now coming forth with or being told or heard about the deaths of someone with prostate cancer, we still got to remember that heart disease kills more black men than prostate cancer. Mm. And we're talking about that. Mm-hmm. But we ought to talk about that. And and most of these diseases that we're talking about are purely dietarily caused diseases, which means they can be avoided. Now, and we're not doing that. Now, you, now you said the process was uh, no, no family history. Then you said a rectal exam. Is right. there a certain age when that happens? We Early on, we started at age 40. And if there was family history, maybe a little earlier. And basically what it is, is you insert a grease finger into the rectum. And what you're doing is you're feeling the back wall. You can't feel the whole prostate, but you can feel the back wall of the prostate. And what you're feeling for is it it should be tough, pretty much like this little part of your hand that I'm pushing right here. But what what we need to do is we're feeling it to see if there's any, like a little pebble in there. Because that harder consistency is where the prostate, we believe the prostate cancer may go or may be. And the fact that you may have an elevated PSA, we would then recommend a biopsy, that is to take a little piece of tissue from that area to determine whether there's cancer there or not. Now, you mentioned the rectal exam. Now, is the is the elevated does does the elevated PSA lead to the rectal exam? Or so if you're if you, if the blood workers going and they say, hey, your your PSA test, it looks good. There's no need for rectal exam. You're saying it should be. Yeah, we always did them both. When I was in practice, I always did them both. Um, and first of all, because the PSA can be elevated and and the rectal exam could be normal. But So, so what, what if the PSA isn't elevated? If the PSA is not elevated and the rectal exam is normal, we don't do any additional t- uh, test, testing on, usually until another year. So you're, they, but, but, but you're saying, though, if don't just rely on the PSA. That's right. We always, we always did the rectal exam in, in my office, always. And all the urologists I know always did. It. In fact, one year at the National Medical Association, several years at the National Medical Association, because black doctors don't go to doctors. Mm. And, well, I'm just telling you. So what we decided to do at the National Medical Association, which is the Black Physicians uh, National Meeting, was to do prostate cancer screening at the meeting. Right. We set it up in the exhibit hall to do it, and we incentivized it. The other thing that we used to do at the NMA was to also do glaucoma screening for black physicians mm-hmm. because we never black doctors were worse at taking care of their health than the patients they treated. So, um, okay, so. Um, okay, I'm, I'm going. I'm going to order. Here. Okay, so so here's another question. Uh, and then I'm going to have Matt and Mike ask a question as well, uh, and, and that is, um, what signs, what symptoms are we looking for? Uh, you often hear that, okay, if you're urate, if if you're urinating multiple times in the night. I mean, you hear different. So, so w- what should we be looking for in terms of symptoms? There are no symptoms of early prostate cancer. Period. No, really. 
no symptoms. Mm. No, it's diagnosed usually because you find a nodule or more likely you've got an elevated PSA. That's what drives most of the biopsies that taking tissue from the prostate. Symptoms are the archaic backwards way of thinking about disease. There isn't a symptom that you have in the earliest phase of disease and almost any disease that you can get. Hmm. Most symptoms come late after they're causing a problem. So that's why the symptoms are the wrong way to think about it. And if you think about the prostate and the symptoms referable to urination, the symptoms that you get may be frequency, urgency, when you got to go, you got to go. None of those are specific for cancer. Most of that is going to be more related to just enlargement of the prostate and no cancer at all. Mm. Um, Michael, your question for Dr. Terry, please. All right, uh, Dr. Terry, thanks for coming on and sharing this with you, uh, with us. Um, so I know you talked a few minutes ago, you talked about uh, testosterone uh, contributing to prostate cancer. Um, uh, but talk about, if you can, the role that diet may contribute to it, consuming red meat, different things like that. Does that contribute to uh, prostate cancer as well? Lack of exercise also. I am so happy you asked that question. Let me tell you something. Now, as what I do now, and I'm retired, happily retired, but what I do now is we have to get to the cause of our disease. And most of the causes that we have are food. Most yeah. all of the, nobody has a heart attack that, you know, a heart attack is a foodborne disease. Stroke is a foodborne disease. Uh, uh, vascular problems in the legs is a foodborne disease. These are all diseases caused by food, so much so that I'm convicted that I left practice and became a farmer. Because the question wow. is, yeah, I don't do any, I don't see anything, I don't go see, I have no patients, I don't want to see any patients. What I do now is I cannot any longer take my time that I have left on the planet to deal with the effect of something. I now need to focus what time I have that left on the planet with my colleagues to deal with the cause of the problem. And we get right. so excited about all these other things. And the problem is, did you know that eating, and this is from the American Institute of Research on Cancer, 800 scientists in the world that said that one hot dog, one hot dog or four strips of bacon increase your colorectal cancer risk by 18%. Now, we took that yeah. information and we shut down the bacon cooking and what have you in the cafeterias in the hospital. Why should we be, when we know this, why are we serving this to people? Right. Right. And I'm a vegetarian. And there was a, a there was an article in a study that came out recently. It was late 2023. that talked about how eating one hot dog takes off something like 45 minutes off your lifespan. Well, I just told you what it does. It'll, it'll take your lifespan away completely. But one of the right. other things that we that we do, too, is we need to understand that our food that we eat, particularly processed food, is very inflammatory. In other words, and, and I am going to put in a shameless plug for my move, one of the movies, Forks Over Knives, where you could see a nice video demonstration right. of what this means. And you can see that the blood vessels then, because of what we're eating, there's a reaction and causes the blood vessels to become inflamed. And that repair process is what causes the blockages that end up as strokes, heart attacks, and things of that nature. So 
what we've done, what what I've done is that said, I asked God to give me the direction. And right now what we do is we want to grow food and we want to grow our own food in our own land so that we know exactly what we're getting. And we know that we're, we're getting the most nutrient dense foods we can get. We are not going to solve this. Let me tell you something. I mean, and this may sound heretic. There is no value proposition in the current medical system for health. Mm-hmm. Current medical system, the value proposition is based on managing disease. That's where the pharmaceuticals make their money. That's where our hospitals and everybody else makes their money. That's how they extract the value. And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just telling you that's what it is. And so if we really going to be serious about trying to do something about cancer, if we really want to be serious about trying to do something about stroke, heart disease, <coughs> other diseases, we got to do that by really changing. We got, for example, uh, all these things, all these things that we eat. And, and Dean, and I'll just give you one quick example and I'll shut up. Uh, Dean Ornish did a study looking at men with prostate cancer. And what he did is he took the group and divided them in two, in, uh, two groups. And one group got nothing but a plant-based diet, a plant-based diet, eating those kinds of things. And the other group ate the other foods. And they also got, the plant-based group also got meditation and things of that nature. Now, two things happened. He then took some prostate cancer cells and he took the blood on both of these different groups and he dripped the blood from the group that was eating the plant-based food and, the, and, and doing yoga and some other things onto prostate cancer cells. They mm-hmm. killed 79% of the cells. In the group that was eating the regular diet, eating the American way of death, what they found is that when he dripped the blood on, this is peer-reviewed data. This is not my opinion. This is peer-reviewed data. When they dripped the blood on those prostate cancer cells, none of them died. So the question was, mm. what kind of blood do you want in your body? And, and this is not, and I don't believe in diets. I don't. I believe you eat to live or you either eat to die. And if you are eating fast foods, if you are eating things that are processed, if you are eating things that are far, far, far away from their origin in terms of the ground, that's why we're farming. Because we're, we do sustainable farming. We don't use any pesticides or anything like that. And if, we, if you don't grow your food, you don't know what you're eating. And right now, and that's another story that you might want to look up, there's a major land grab in America yep. by major corporations because they know what's coming. Matt? All right, thank you. Dr. Mason, uh, my question is a little bit of a follow-up from Michael's. Are there any other markers that people should be looking at in their blood work that indicate a likelihood of prostate cancer outside of PSA down the road? So anything else in blood work? Um, and secondly... As far as I know, there are new things, because I've been retired now almost 10 years. Uh, so there may, there may be some things that they're working on. But even with those markers... The major, the major thing that we're seeing is inflammation, and that, that's coming from our food. If we really want to begin to do something to help ourselves either prevent or deal with once here, then we've got to change the way we eat. It's just that just, right now we are eating things that are And our children are learning these habits even earlier. I'm afraid to see that 
afraid of afraid of the potential tsunami of diseases that we're going to see happening in younger and younger children. And uh, one of the things that we fought against was they were trying to list lactose intolerance as a, and that's not that's not being lactose intolerance means you don't cut can't tolerate the lactose lactase intolerant. You tolerate the lactose in the milk. And the thing, the reason why you can't, we can't digest the lactose in the milk is because we're not cows. <laughs> exactly. We're not, I'm, I know that sounds funny, but it's true. No, you're correct. Yep. And we're not cows, and there's not anything wrong with us not being able to, di- di- uh, to digest lactose. And the one thing, and I'll say this also about cow's milk, cow's milk contains a chemical called insulin growth factor one. And what it does is it makes cells grow quickly. And it because you got to take the 65 pound calf and put it on the road to become a 400 pound. Now we got 400 pound people. Mm-hmm. So we've got to, this is very serious and I'm not, I'm not making light of it all. Mm-hmm. What I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing is working with the people who want to do the farm, make sure that and in our in our neighborhoods, I look at Chicago. One time we had, and Roland knows this. One time we had uh, multiple, multiple black banks, and we had twenty three automobile dealerships. We had all this stuff, and we controlled what was being cooked in our community, and that's not happening anymore. Indeed, indeed, Dr. Terry Mason, we certainly appreciate you joining us on today's show. Thanks a bunch. Well, I hope it was helpful. Thank you for indeed. Your and and you anytime, Roland. You can call me anytime. You know, I remember our days at VON. You, I think you were still over 3350 then, wasn't you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's why I started about 31 years ago. There you go. All right, sir. God bless you, man. I appreciate God bless it. You, thank you so much. Thanks a bunch. Uh, Kelly, Matt, Michael, thanks a bunch as well. Appreciate uh, y'all joining us on today's show. Uh, we appreciate it, folks. Uh, that is it. Uh, I will see you guys on Monday right here on Roland Martin on the Filters on the Black Star Network. Don't forget to support us in what we do. Join our Brina Funk fan club. Send your check and money order to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash app, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered. PayPal, R. Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale, Roland at RolandSMartin.com. Roland at RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Also, you can download the Black Star Network app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. You can also watch our 24-hour, seven-day-a-week streaming channel. We're available on Amazon News. Go to Amazon Fire. You can tell Alexa, play news from the Black Star Network. Also, you can go to Plex TV, Amazon Freebie, Amazon Prime Video. And be sure to get a copy of my book, White Fear, How the Browning of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Minds, available at bookstores nationwide. Folks, that's it. Y'all have a fantastic weekend. Holla!
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.